That's where we're going from, dear saints, today. John 4, 43 through 54. And we're going to be keying in on 46 through 54. 43 through 45 is a context for us. So after Jesus came up through Samaria, ministered to the Samaritan woman, she got saved, praise the Lord. And then Jesus um, ministered the Word to the people, the other Samaritans in the village, where she went and told them about Jesus. They came back and heard Jesus' words and they got saved also. Then Jesus went up to Cana in Galilee. Let us pray and ask God for grace and insight and clarity and power to affect us to be more like Jesus through this message. Let us pray. Oh God, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Holy, holy, holy is Your name, O God. Lord, that is what we greatly desire for You to be glorified for Your name to be regarded as holy. And we know we lack so in that in our characters and lives. Lord, we sin every day. Forgive us, God. Through Christ, our Redeemer. Thank You, Jesus, that You paid the price for our sins completely, that You have clothed us in Your righteousness and given us Your Spirit to empower us to understand and trust to love You, Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. Father, through Your Son, we ask You would help us now. Teach us through our prophet of all prophets. Teach us by Your Spirit to rightly divide Your Word and to be affected by it, God, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, again, the context in John 4.43, after the two days... Jesus left for Galilee. He left the Samaritan village. Now, Jesus Himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own town or country. When He arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed Him. They had seen all that He had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, so they also had been there. It's interesting as far as Pain goes in difficult situations, in trials. And that's what we're going to see in this story. We're going to see uh, a man who was in a, a great trial, an agonizing situation. I remember Ann and I, after we had Hadassah, uh, we were told that she had uh, Down syndrome and that she had uh, a heart defect. She had two chambers in her heart instead of four. So we were told that right away when she was born, she was going to have um, severe issues uh, and she was going to need open-heart surgery right away if she was going to live and thrive and prosper. Uh, they wanted to do it as soon as possible uh, in one sense, but they also wanted her to get 10 pounds. So by God's grace, uh, she made it to... Ten pounds, and uh, 
we had the open heart surgery. And it was up in Minneapolis. And it was amazing because I remember I, 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 uh, after my fighting career, I injured myself on workers' comp at Bally's Total Fitness. So I got trained, retrained as a medical assistant and a phlebotomist, sort of a clinic nurse and a phlebotomist to draw blood from people. Well, um, through that, I got to study just a little bit, as you can imagine, of uh, anatomy and physiology. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, even if I was in that surgery room, I would have no idea what to do or how to do it or anything else. So I was brought, me and my wife both, we were brought to a place where all we could do was pray. All we could do in that waiting room was plead with God for mercy. Oh God, direct the surgeon's hands. Give him clarity of thought. Give him precise motions and movements. Give him skill. Help him make every movement perfectly, God. And just trembling. Well, praise the Lord. God blessed and gave grace to that prayer of faith and did, in one sense, a, a, a minor miracle, it seems. But obviously it had been done before. Praise the Lord. So we are very grateful. And now, by the grace of God, we have Hadassah, both all of her life and joy. And praise the Lord, Hadassah. Amen. Amen. Long distance. Good one. Okay. So, in the same way, uh, in a similar way, excuse me, we're going to see a very difficult situation. A man who's in great trial and trouble. Let's go from... Uh, 4.46 of the book of John. Once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee where He had turned the water into wine. He'd already done this amazing miracle. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who's close to death. Jesus told him, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. Hmm. That's interesting. We wouldn't expect Jesus to answer like that, would we? This man is uh, seemingly, from all the commentaries, a Jew. He's, uh, he's from a, a royal family of Herod's court who was Jew, part Jew at least. And doesn't say anything about him being a uh, centurion. He's not the centurion. Different story altogether. That was a centurion and his servant. This is a royal official whose son lay sick. At Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is about 20 miles away. You have to travel up the mountain to Cana. So, it's about a day and a half on horseback, a full two days walking. So, I want to think through a couple things with you. Uh, one, first point, miracle faith doesn't 
save. Catch that? Miracle faith does not save. You say, well, what do you mean miracle faith? I mean prophets through normal, so to speak, prophets, if you could say those two words. God did miracles through them. But they weren't Jehovah God the Son. So believing Jesus can do miracles or God has the power to do miracles through Jesus only does not save. Let's dig in a little bit. Now let's remember, the royal official hears Jesus is in Cana and takes a full day and a half trip from, from Capernaum to find Jesus. He's desperate. It goes on to say that this near-death experience for his son was because of a fever. So he was so sick and he had such a high fever that he was right there close to death. And this man, remember, dear saints, was a royal official whose uh, authority and influence and probably finances, he was good to check all his areas in Capernaum or the surrounding areas that he needed. He had money, he probably went through doctor after doctor and healer after healer. But he's on his last legs here. He's desperate. Most of us have been in this hard situation in some sense or another. Whether it's a family member, whether it's sickness in our own bodies. It's desperate. And his son could have already been dead from his perspective. Right? It's a day and a half trip for him. But he finds Jesus and he begs or some uh, translations say implores or some translations say pleads or some translations say besought Jesus. But it's an earnest asking over and over again. A begging. And his begging was this, that Jesus would come down to Capernaum and heal his son. That's important that we understand that. The way he packaged his prayer, or earnest request, or begging, beseeching desire for Jesus was to come down. Come down the mountain to Capernaum and heal his son. Now, Jesus says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. He gets rebuked for chasing a miracle. He gets rebuked for not having saving faith. He, Jesus says right there, you will never believe, savingly implied. Miracle faith isn't necessarily by any means saving faith. And we're going to get into that. So this isn't the first time Jesus dealt with miracle faith. 
If we turn to the left in our books, John 2, 23-25, uh, right after Jesus did the miracle at Canaan Galilee and then He goes to Jerusalem and He cleanses the temple, clears the temple the first time, uh, it says in 2.23, Now while He was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs He was doing and believed in His name. Many people had miracle faith and believed in His name. Yet look here. But Jesus would not entrust Himself to them. For He knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about Him. For He knew what was in a man. Now, most of the commentaries I read on this say that for us believers, Jesus has entrusted Himself to us. He's become our surety. We're one with Christ. He's our all in all. He's our Redeemer, our prophet, priest, and king, our guarantor. So, this is saying, according to again, most commentaries, that Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their faith was not saving faith. He knew their faith was miracle faith only. And He would not give Himself to them. We see it again in John to the right. 12. We're going to stay in John so we're not flipping you all over the Bible this week. <laughs> John 12, 37. Now this is after Jesus did so many miracles in the leaders and the Pharisees and the people's presence. And it says in 12:37, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in Him. Do you remember what Jesus said about the parable of the poor man, Lazarus, and the rich man? The rich man goes to hell and he says to Abraham, send, send somebody to go and preach to my family and tell them about this dreadful place. And what did Jesus say? If they do not heed or believe the words of Moses and the prophets, the words of Scripture, then even if somebody rises from the dead, they will not believe. Miracle faith does not save. So we have to ask though, is Jesus being heartless? Because this guy's coming in true need and desperation. Is Jesus being heartless? And of course, the answer is no. He's not being heartless. The man's faith was not saving faith. It was desperate miracle faith, but it wasn't saving faith. Miracle faith doesn't save no matter how desperate you are for a miracle. Let's look at 49. Let's look at the man's response because Jesus rebukes him, right? Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you, sir, will never believe. So how does he answer in 49? The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
So now it's passionate, desperate, miracle faith. I mean, he's commanding Jesus. He had Sir there to be respectful, right? He's a royal official. He knows respect and honor in the court sense. So he says, Sir. Notice he doesn't say, Lord. Hmm. Notice he doesn't say, Lord God. Hmm. He's not there yet. Even passionate, miracle faith does not save. If you do not trust Jesus Christ's divine wisdom, holiness, and power through His Word, you cannot be saved. I know that's hard. Some people want to believe different things about Jesus, but they fall short of believing He is the I Am, the Jehovah God of the burning bush. They fall short in believing that Jesus is Jehovah God, the Son. But Jesus said in John eight twenty four, If you do not believe that I am you will die in your sins. It's interesting that the translations add I am who I say that I am or they add I am da 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 but that's not what the Greek says. You'll see there's brackets in your translations. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. If you do not know Him and His divine person and Word, you've missed it, like this guy. Thus far, this man has missed it. And not condemning him or rebuking him. Jesus rebuked him. Okay, but who am I to? I'm just a sinful man who doesn't know and trust Jesus except for by His grace as you, right, saints? But I want to look at a different angle too. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Jesus said, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many people will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and perform many miracles?" Jesus says, "I will tell them plainly, I never knew you." Away from me. Not just miracle faith, but even those who have faith to do seeming miracles alone doesn't save unless they know and trust Jesus through His Word. see a positive look at miracle faith that's weak leading to true saving faith through Thomas. 
Right? Doubting Thomas, right? He struggled. Even after the resurrection. He, he went up in the room where all of the disciples were right after Jesus appeared to all these disciples. And they told him, The Lord is risen! And what did Thomas say? I don't believe you. Even though Jesus was telling him over and over again, the Son of Man must be crucified and rise from the dead. Right? He told them over and over again. But they didn't get it. Especially doubting Thomas. He didn't get it. He said, I will not believe unless I see a miracle. Unless I see the holes in his hands and in his side. And even though he struggled so, he didn't have saving faith in Jesus Christ's divine person and work and words. Until, until the Lord Jesus gave it to him by graciously what? Showing him, appearing to him. Showing him his hands and said, here, put your fingers in my holes. Put your hand in my side and believe. And what was Thomas's response? My Lord and my God. Thomas believed at that point in Jesus' divine wisdom and righteousness and power and glory and Jesus' word. <laughs> it took a minute. As it does for us sometimes, huh, saints? How many people, maybe you've experienced this, and I'm not condemning you, but how many people have you heard that are husbands or fathers and their wife or their children have cancer or some terrible sickness, and they, and you hear them say this, I prayed, I prayed, I begged God. I fasted, I wept, and I begged God for a miracle. And my wife died. I'm done with God. I'm done with church. Well, I've heard it many times, sad to say. And that's miracle faith that doesn't save. Get the idea, saints? Miracle faith doesn't save. Another idea that we learned through this is our packaged prayers and how we present them to the Lord aren't always answered by God the way we ask them. Can I get an amen? They're often answered in a way that is best for the glory of Christ and your eternal good. A wise man said that God doesn't give us what we want so that we can have what we ought sometimes. And that's true. Uh, old English, but true. So Jesus is not heartless. This man's faith was not saving faith. It was desperate. It was passionate. 
let's see what Jesus is trying to teach this man. Because I think it will be helpful for all of us to learn from. John 4, 49 and 50 together. He says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, Go! Your son will live. And the Greek there is, Your son is living. I just spoke it. It is. And it says, The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Jesus answers the man's desperate, passionate, miracle faith with a response of no and go. But that's not all He says. Praise the Lord. Jesus declares with powerful wisdom and authority, your son will live. Your son is living. Jesus spoke it again and and it happened. It is. Jesus says, trust the divine integrity and wisdom and power of my person through trusting my word and your son will live. And it's implied you will live also. Mm. Jesus tells the man, he's not going to Capernaum. Both times the man pleaded and begged Jesus to come down, to come down, to come down. He had his view of how Jesus was supposed to do it. Jesus says, I don't need to come down. I am an omnipotent Savior. Your Son will live. Oh, let us take Jesus at His powerful, omnipotent Word and experience the grace we need to trust Him ever so much more. John 8.31 To the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His words are powerful by the Spirit's work. John 15, 7 and 8, Jesus said, If you remain in Me and My words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to My Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be My disciples. That is such a powerful truth. Jesus said, If My words are in your mind and influencing illuminating your mind and you have desires and, and, and emotions from that, wishes, He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Think about it, dear saints. If His words are illuminating in our minds as we're meditating on Him, His Holy Spirit is stirring up holy emotions and desires 
which will move us to choose for ask for things that are going to be, as that text goes on to say, to glorify Christ and not for our own selfish ends. His words in us are key. Romans 10.17 Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the words of Christ. Proverbs 3, 5-7 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We do that far too much. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Lean on His understanding. Lean on His wisdom. And He will make your path straight. And He gives us another challenge there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So Jesus answers the man, He says, I'm not going to Capernaum. He says, go. You go back. But He promises him, your son will live. Your son liveth. Your son is already living. I spoke it. It's done. The man took Jesus at His word. That's saving faith. And He departed. John 4. 51 through 54. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household, what? Believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed having come from Judea to Galilee. Hmm. The last idea I want to encourage you with from the text. Experiencing the power of Christ's divine Word inspires evangelism. Wow! He didn't just experience Christ's promise. Your son liveth. But he went and got a report that his son lives. He experienced the power. He believed in his whole household. God saved. He shared the good news. (laughs) Can you imagine? He probably didn't stop sharing the good news. Experiencing the power of Christ's divine saving word inspires or compels evangelism to the children, to our neighbors, as Sylvester is reminding us and teaching us in Sunday school, to this lost and dying world. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 11.23. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. But then He says something else. He who does not gather with me scatters. So if we're with Him, we're going to be what? Gathering with Him. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us. In Acts 8.4, Saul, when he was persecuting the church and approving of Stephen's death, went after the church in Jerusalem. And those who had been scattered 
preached the Word wherever they went. They preached the Word, didn't they, Phil? Wherever they went. Wow. Acts 20.24, Paul says, However, I consider my life with nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the Gospel of God's grace. And we all know Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Dear saints, we don't need to try to have eloquent spins on everything. Basic Gospel truth saves souls. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. First Corinthians one eighteen. Whether it's a tract, whether it's short word of testimony about Jesus in your life, whether it's the more complete gospel you could share, I trust God will bless you abundantly. And use that mightily in your life and even increase your assurance and your joy in the Lord. Just a recap, because I know for me, review is really important for for remembering things. Just a recap, point one, miracle faith alone doesn't save. Point two, Passionate miracle faith doesn't save either. Point three, word faith, trusting in the words of Christ and of course His person because His person spoke those words, saves. Trusting in Jesus' words as revealed in the Scriptures that He is who He says He is and He did what He says He did, saves. And empowers. Point four. Empowers you to share the good news with others. Whether it's your family or others you run into. Don't be shy with the Gospel saints. Pray with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lord, we don't want to lean on our own understanding. Help us trust Your words more, Jesus. Jesus, I can think of so many promises You've told us that would help our just our daily lives. Just our faith and joy in You through the day. Our peace, Lord. You said, peace I leave with You. My peace I give unto You. I do not give to You as the world gives. Let not Your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Lord, so many precious words You've given us. I pray that You would help each one of us to hide those words in our hearts more and more so that we can walk by the Spirit and have Your peace. Bless us with that, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen.